City. It's your man, Big Pat, the voice of your Charlotte Hornets. And you're listening to the All Hornets Podcast Network, presented by Sports Illustrated. You are listening to a media day edition of Inside the Hive on the All Hornets Podcast Network. One podcast feed with multiple shows, making sure we cover the Charlotte Hornets from every angle. If you like what you hear, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review. The All Hornets podcast is affiliated with the Fans First Sports Podcast Group. Today's show, we are power ranking our top 10 quotes from Hornets Media Day. We're joined by Chase, as always, and Skylar Callahan, site publishing manager for allhornets.com. Joining us for the first time since last year's Media Day, when he came on and did the same thing after spending... Uh, too many hours at the at the Hornets uh, Spectrum Center today. So, uh, Chase, hello to you. Skylar, welcome back a year later. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. Uh, Chase, how was your day? You were you were at Hornet, you were at Boston Media Day today, right? I was. I had some some work obligations at Media Day down in Boston. It was a grand old time, as I'm sure many of the listeners could imagine, with what went down on Sunday. Uh, up in Boston in terms of the Drew Holiday trade. So it was a fun time. Quite quite a exciting vibe down there. But I'm excited to talk about Hornets Media Day too because I was also very excited reading some of these quotes on my ride back from Boston today. Got me even more excited than I have been in the last couple of weeks for season to kick off here. This is Media Day, I feel like, is the, the peak of the mountain for fan excitement, right? For hope, optimism. And then from here, it normally goes down and someone picks up an injury on day one of camp. Preseason game happens, everyone's like, oh, the offense doesn't work. And then game start and everyone's just balloon gets deflated. Um, so this is the peak right now. And we're gonna ride the wave. Let's not let's not be, you know, negative Nancy's. Uh let's let's ride the wave. Enjoy it while it lasts. Exactly. Um, so we're gonna be ranking, as I said, our top 10 quotes from the day, just things that stood out to us. Skylar is the man who is there in the room. We're gonna go to you first. What is your number one thing that stood out to you most today? Oh man, that's that's tough to just narrow to the first or the top one. But I would probably say maybe an, an overlooked one, and that's Terry Rozier. And he said something like that this is the most excited he's ever been putting on a Charlotte Hornets uniform. And to me, if I'm a fan, like that gets me going because this is a guy that's been through a lot. Obviously, he's been through the the teams that have, you know made the play in tournaments. He was there last year, kind of had to handle the back point guard duties and then ended up having to play point guard a lot because of LaMelo being out. And, you know, he's he's been very open about how he wants this team to take that next step. And he's had success in Boston before. And for him to show that kind of enthusiasm, I think just kind of shows, like especially from a veteran guy, if it's a younger guy like, you know, LaMelo, I'd get it. But a guy that's been around – I mean, you don't really get that that type of enthusiasm all that much. So I, I would say that one from Terry Rozier. And also the fact this kind of goes with it. Steve uh, Clifford pointed out, too, that he called uh, Terry earlier in like August or something like that and was asking him, hey, we're going to need you to, to be back here and stuff for, for training camp and, and get you back and working out even maybe a little bit before. And he goes, don't even worry about it. I'm going to be there a month early. That just – that blew my mind that he was there that early. And he was not the only one. He was actually just one of the first ones, and he started getting some of these other guys to come back from town earlier as well. Chase is our Terry's here. Uh, a big Terry's here fan. It's got to be music to your ears, right? It absolutely is. And, I mean, Skylar and I are on almost the exact same wavelength here with our favorite quote to come out of media day because mine – was the one of Terry Rozier saying that he thinks this is also the most talented Hornets team that he has ever been on. And James, this is something that you've brought up a couple times on our recent podcasts. Like mm-hmm. this might be one of the most talented Hornets teams just ever. generally. In, he in wasn't even on to say it. It was so a common far. theme today, right? I think Clifford yeah. said it. Um, I, I I feel like it was said a couple of times, right? It, it was Gordon said, said it. by multiple people. Gordon yep. said it as well. Uh, definitely. Uh, yeah, definitely something that came out today. And I, I, and exactly what Skylar said again, like if you're a fan, that type of stuff's got to fire you up. Like from these veterans, like Terry Rozier knows what a good team is. Gordon Hayward knows what a good team looks like. He knows what a group of, you know, seven, eight, nine talented guys in the NBA and what that takes off the court to get to that point. And they all think 
that they have that in the this locker room in Charlotte right now. And and this is something JT also said. He, everybody's counting them out right now, but the veterans have bought in completely. All the young guys seem to be like following their lead. And, you know, every guy kind of has mentioned like a, another veteran player that the, they've kind of gone under their wing so far. And like, it just, re- it really seems like they're trying to hit the ground running here in this preseason. And Terry Rozier, I think, had a couple of really nice, really nice gems from this media day press conference today. I do want to say one thing about the, you know, Terry Rozier was back early. I do kind of feel like every year we have this discussion where everyone's back earlier than ever before. And every year there's people who go, yeah, I've just never seen it before. I've, I've just never seen it. <laughs> and I feel like we do this little thing every year and everyone gets so pumped and be like, yeah. And it's like, didn't we do this just a few years ago? Remember everyone went down to Miami and worked out oh, and yeah. all that. You know, no one's ever done this before. We're the only ones doing this. And yeah, so I, I, I'm excited. I, it's great to hear. Like part of me, I, I wrote in my notes is why doesn't this happen every year? Um, did, did the team just like mail it in last offseason because they knew things were going to go bad from the Bridges suspension and everything else? Um, yeah, that was just one thing that I was like, I swear we kind of get excited about the same thing every year and players and coaches seem to say it. But um, I think maybe this year is the one. This is actually the one, right? Now we can really get excited. Before it wasn't real. This This is the one. Yeah, I would say, I mean, just the enthusiasm from the veterans alone has got to be enough to fire people up. But, I mean, obviously you hear, you know, the stuff from, um, like, even guys like Miles. I mean, you know, just the the confidence that he has in this group. And he wasn't around this team last year. Um, And that's going to go and lead me to my second quote here. And that is, because I asked Miles, what's the biggest difference playing for JB versus playing for Steve Clifford? And he said the main thing is structure. And some people may take That's that. That's a good question. Some people may take that like he's trying to take a stab at, at JB. But I, I literally asked the question himself. It's not like he brought it up. Yeah. But I, I think it's more so of he – it's more organized. Everyone knows what they're doing. They're all on the same page. Like he said, you know who's taking the shot. You know where someone's supposed to be on, on any given play. And there's not that confusion out there on the floor. Everything's clear. There's a lot of clarity. So, I mean, that could change, obviously. He hasn't played a single game with Undercliff, but as of right now, that that at least gives you some confidence that he's going to be able to come right back in and, and pick up where he left off. Yeah, I definitely think Cliff as a coach has a little bit more structure than Borrego, who was more, you know, if Wait, you get an open shot, take it, whereas Cliff would be like, no, no, that's not your shot. In this possession, we want to try and get, you know, that's our that's our fifth option. Our first, second, third, fourth option are over here. Yeah. That's got to be a huge advantage for such a young roster too, which I think plays into probably what Miles was talking about a little bit. Like <clears throat> JB had similarly young rosters, but definitely did not have the type of, you know, detail-oriented approach to both ends of the floor really, but especially defense. I think that saw Cliff be able to rein this in and turn – a very similar roster into just a wildly different product on that end of the floor. And I do, when they use the phrase, the most talented team, I do notice they sometimes stop short of saying it's the best team, right? Uh, Because talent is something that a lot of young players have. And with talent doesn't always come production or winning basketball. So I'm, I'm waiting to hear that quote say this is the best team I've ever been on Charlotte. That's when I think you can really begin to get excited. And it's only a subtle thing, but I think there is a difference there. And, um, and to go off of that, I think – I don't know if it was Terry or Miles. I think it may have been Terry that said it, that it was by far the most talented team that he's played mm-hmm. with in Charlotte. By far. Um, my biggest quote for the day was uh, one of the questions that everyone always wants to know after coming back from the offseason. Who are the offseason MVPs? Who are the workout warriors? Who are the guys who stood out most in the scrimmages and workouts? And Steve Clifford answered this. I, it might have been even you who was that you who asked it, Skylar. Yeah. yeah. Um, he answered it, and you could tell that he knew that he everyone wants the answer of like uh, JT Thor or Mark Williams, and he was like. I'm just going to have to say it. It was Gordon Hayward and Terry Rozier <laughs> who are like the two most experienced veterans on the team who aren't necessarily young, aren't necessarily up and coming, but he was like, they've been the best players like in all, this, all the scrimmages. They've been the leaders. They've set the tone. 
And I think that's really reassuring. And he talked a little bit about the year they were really good when they made the playoffs and took Miami to seven games. The reason that was is because experienced veteran guys took great jumps. Al Jefferson had his best season of his career, you know, already in his 30s at that point. So if we can expect to see big years from Terry Rozier, from Gordon Hayward, you add on the development that you expect just to get from having younger players. I think, I think that's really exciting, but they weren't necessarily the names that I think I was expecting. Maybe a lot of people were expecting to hear come from Steve Clifford. Yeah. I, I think you would probably expected it to be like, like you said, like maybe a JT Thor who Steve Clifford has a major soft spot for it. Like yeah. he has talked about JT Thor so much. And he, even last year, I remember in some post games, Questions weren't even about JT Thor, and he would find a way to bring up <laughs> JT Thor in a conversation. But yeah, um, but I mean, in some ways, it is a good thing because, like, you want those guys that have been here and have been in the game for a long time. You want them to continue to progress because, I mean, let's face it, Gordon Hayward's had a lot of injury issues over the last few years, and I think a lot of people, even myself included, starting to th- starting to think last year he's starting to decline a little bit because last year really wasn't like his best year. I don't think. I think he left a lot out there. So I, I think. Having hearing that, it shows that there's still some gas left in the tank for both those guys. Chase, do you want to hit us with your your next quote that stood out to you here? So, I, if we're, we can knock out the uh, off season improvements here once a JT, his media appearance, I thought was very, I guess eye opening would be a good word for it. He, I mean, he first of all, I like he probably won the award comfortably for player that looks the most jacked. From you know the spring to now, well, Skyler, you were you were in the room. Enormous. You tell us, Skyler, you were there. Who who yeah. were your your muscle? The, the picture that I think it was you, Skyler, that tweeted of him. I was like, that guy looks a lot different than he did in April. J, JT definitely looks bigger than he did because last year you just looked like a skinny rail, and really the last two years. But yeah. honestly, like Mark Williams, man, like he just is massive and. And we were joking after he left, and I think it may have been Rob that said, you know, he looked, he may have looked taller, or maybe it was Steve Reed. And I was like, I think he actually did grow. No, it was Gordon Hayward that actually said that. Yeah. Because we we asked we asked Gordon if he thinks uh, Mark got bigger. He's like, I actually think he grew, and it, it honestly kind of does. I mean, he got up on that little stager that they have in his hair. Yes, he's got it flared out now, but I mean, his head would have almost touched the ceiling alone. It is incredible. But, yeah, JT looks definitely a lot bigger. So I'm interested to see how that helps him in terms of playing in the paint, rim decisions, finishing at the rim, and not just being a guy that shoots jump shots. If if JT Thor can put on enough weight with his size and his length and the current question marks around Kai Jones, I do wonder if, if there is like an injury to Mark or Nick and they have to lean on someone as an emergency five, it could be PJ Washington. Could it also be JT Thor, right? You yes. talk about Steve Clifford, who talks about how he raves about JT. He works so hard. He studies so hard. Like, probably not didn't have the strength last year to do it. But if he is playing bigger and stronger now, and he knows the game plan, he has the versatility defensively, he's a lot bigger and longer than PJ Washington. Maybe JT Thor is a sleeper small ball center, which was always something that you thought could maybe be a selling point in the draft a few years down the line. Yeah, and I don't know if if it was said by Cliff or if it was said by just us in the media while we were waiting, but I think it, it did actually get brought up at some point. Um, so I, I do think JT's got the ability to, ability to. And you also have PJ. I mean, with him being able to play the five, you can play JT at the four. I mean, they have so mm-hmm. many different ways that they can move that, that front court around. Um, but I want to say the one thing that really caught my, my attention with, with Cliff was that he was very aware of kind of like the situation he's entering this year without really saying it. And somebody had asked, again, I think it was Steve Reed, that asked about the the pressure going into this year if it felt like a make or break year for him. And he kind of thought about it for a second. He's like, I understand it. He's like, you could say that. And we all know what the situation is. Like, he's he's on a short-term deal. The team was awful last year, but obviously a lot of it had to do with injuries. But – you have new ownership and first impressions mean everything. And if you don't make a first impression in year one, they're probably going to want to go out and get their own guy. So for him to show that awareness means something. And he said something of, 
uh, to the effect of like, I want to be the best coach for these guys now and best coach for these guys this year. And that's the mentality he has to try to have every single season, not worry about what's going to happen next year or two years down the road. Yeah. Um, next quote I'm going to go for. Um, it's actually a selection of quotes. It's one from Brandon Miller, one from Bryce McGowan's, and there was also one from Steve Clifford. Um, there seemed to be a narrative emerged today that maybe we haven't heard much before. In the past, it's always been Gordon Hayward. He, he leads by example, right? You, you never hear much about Gordon Hayward, the veteran mentor. But there was a few things today that just came through, which we've not heard much before. So firstly, Bryce McGowan's talked about how he worked out a lot with Gordon Hayward this offseason, did a lot of morning workouts and how he's really been someone that he's leaned on for advice now that Kelly Oubre has moved on. Um, so that I thought that was you know worth taking note of. You had Brandon Miller who said that Gordon basically tells all the young guys, forces them to get on like the physio bed basically every single morning, which again is just building those right habits into the the young rookies. And you got Steve Clifford who again talked about the standard that he was setting in his summer workouts, him coming back early, him having a great summer. Um, so just those selection of things. Everyone's criticized probably this team for not having a lot of leadership. We have, and I still don't think they have enough. But I do wonder if maybe something has changed a little bit this offseason where Gordon Hayward has looked around and gone, yeah, maybe I do need to be a little bit more vocal, <laughs> a little bit more proactive with this team. And maybe that's a change that we're going to see this year. Maybe not something he's used to, but something I think this team sorely needs. I think a big part of that, too, and this is something Steve Clifford also mentioned, he had a fully healthy summer. He was not rehabbing an injury. He wasn't off in L.A. going to doctor's appointments every couple months to get his ankle looked at after it was fractured or whatever it may have been in the last couple of years. He was just in Charlotte working out, clearly with Bryce McGowan's very often also, like pretty much every day. He all, I mean, he would post on his Instagram of himself at, I think it's Charlotte Catholic High School, the, like, cc logo in the middle of the court any i'm sure anybody that's been there would be able to recognize it immediately if they saw him post that he was there like all the time they like working out gym by himself taking shots just probably i'm, I'm sure he invited many other young players there with him as well i he's definitely not a vocal guy and he probably is never really going to be especially on the court is never going to be somebody that's like yelling at his teammates like screaming at them directing them after mistakes or like just beating his chest when someone makes a highlight play or something like that. But I feel like he's definitely the type of guy off the court, especially to, you know, steer, try and steer guys in the right direction. Cause he's always been, you know, that type of guy off the court. He's never been somebody that's known to not have like a good work ethic or as a poor presence in the locker room or something like that. So I feel like that kind of thing just shows up in different ways. And I definitely feel like he has taken a step forward vocally, like so far this summer, but, Maybe in the in years past, it's just been harder to notice because it wasn't like a vocal thing. It was like a lead by example, like you said, James. Do you think Gordon sent a group text to everybody saying, hey, I'm working out here. Does anyone want to join? And then Bryce McGowns was the only one who turned up. <laughs> in their their 22-person group Could chat, what, yeah. he, he got one thumbs up from, from Bryce yeah. McGowns, no replies. <laughs> um, okay, uh, Sky, I'm coming back to you. What, uh, what was your next thing that... Uh, so I guess not necessarily injuries, but since we're kind of on the topic of it, I would say LaMelo committing to wearing braces this year yes. uh, on both of his ankles. That's going to be interesting. I mean, you don't think it's really that big of a deal, but until you go out there and play in it in the actual game, it's going to be a little different for him. I think there's going to be a little adjustment period. So I wouldn't be shocked if, he comes out and he's a little rusty. I'm not saying he's going to stink it up or anything, but, like, it's probably going to take him a, a few weeks, maybe a month, before he really kind of gets back to where we all expect him to be. But um, that's that's something different. I think Miles pointed out how, you know, Kemba, back when he was in Charlotte, he would be wearing the, the braces and the knee pads. And, I mean, he was all padded up. Um, but it's just a part of taking care of your body and remaining healthy. And as far as the shoes go, I know some people are sneakerheads out there. Um, he is not changing the cut of his shoe. So he's going to stay. He said he's a, he wears like a mid to high shoe, not a low cut. It's going to be like a mid to high, and he's going to kind of stay in that range. So we'll see if it pays off. For the tennis fans out there, Andy Murray 
uh, great British tennis player. We're calling. We're not claiming him to be English. He is Scottish, but we're claiming British. Um, wore had a lot of ankle problems early in his career. Had double uh, ankle braces on, and these aren't just like a like a I don't know like a tuber grip sock. We're talking like they have plastic plates on each side yeah. of the ankle. They that yeah. lock your ankle in place, which is it I've I've worn weird. them. Yeah, I've worn them before playing basketball myself because I have a dodgy right ankle, and it does feel weird. It makes your but like feel like fat and clunky, but it doesn't stop you from doing anything. And uh, that completely changed Andy Murray's career. He basically wore them every single game. Um, and I, I do think those are the type of braces that I actually do think have impact from you being able to sprain the ankles. So I think it's I think it's a sensible move and it shows that he's willing to work with the medical staff. I think he said it was the the, the team I think he referred to, which is probably the Hornets medical team were kind of like suggested and asked him to do that and he's going to try it and do it. So that's good to see that he's kind of adapting and learning and, and trusting the medical staff as well. Chase, I'm coming to you. What's next? Hmm. You know what? We'll go, we'll go back to JT Thor. I actually thought it was really interesting that he mentioned that Cody Martin is somebody that he views as like a veteran leader. And this is like, I think it says more about like where Cody's at in his career and like kind of how the lost season may have impacted that. He's like, he's just a year older. He's like 28 now. I think he already is already turned 28. He's one of the oldest players on the team. Like other than Gordon and Terry, there's nobody older than Cody Martin. So it yeah. makes sense that players would kind of look up to him in that way. And I just think that if he can come back and be healthy and just be a rotation player, like he doesn't have to be like the team's sixth man or something like that. Just be somebody that, can be counted on for steady minute load every night. He's really going to cement himself as like a leader on this team because the, his play style is probably the most conducive to like what people view as like leadership qualities, like playing hard, showing effort, toughness, like hard nose, defense, commitment to like the little things and details. Like nobody on the team really embodies that more than Cody Martin. So I think that would be like really, really cool to see him come back and be healthy, be able to do all those things with this like being basically two years older than he was the last time he was a real yeah. part of this team, like on a day in day out basis. So I'm, I'm really hoping that that can, we can see that come to fruition this year. And the thing that stood out to me was Steve Clifford said, and he said this last training camp and he said again, that Cody Martin, he, he used the exact phrase is like, he's a huge piece of what we're doing. And he said the same thing last off season. And, Everyone joked when Cliff got hired that ha ha, like Cody Martin is the, the most Cliff player, and you know, but James Book Knight was never going to get minutes because Cody Martin was going to play 48 minutes. And like, he's not been healthy enough to know if that was going to be true. But the way he talks about Cody Martin a year on, he's still like a big part of his plans. He is not an afterthought, which by now you could be thinking, like, well, is he ever going to be healthy? Like, have we got some other players we could look at with your Bryce McGowans? And but. Absolutely, it seems that Cody Martin, Steve Clifford seems as keen to get Cody Martin on the floor as anybody, really. Um, you know, he, he talked about how there's just not many players like him in the NBA anymore, unselfish, do everything for your teammates. So, yeah, I think in Steve Clifford's vision as well, I still feel Cody Martin has a really big role on this team if he can reach the levels that he reached two years ago. And... and I actually was like one of the last two or three people. There's only like two people in the media room left when Leaky Black got the talk. Um, but I did talk to him a little bit about like kind of being that glue guy, not being a stat freak or anything like that. And I'll tell you what, like the more I go back and think about how Leaky played at Carolina, like I think there's a, a chance that he could maybe make this team down the road and and be kind of that Cody Martin if he sticks to that, that commitment on the defensive end. If he sits down there in Greensboro for a couple of years and develops and does enough, he may get a shot. And, you know, Steve Clifford, if he's still here, he's going to love that effort on the defensive end. So I'm, I'm not saying he's going to get there this year, but I think there's a chance at some point Leakey will get his chance in the NBA. Um, last thing before I got to go, Mark Williams. I was wanting to I, I saw James text me this and he was like, you got to ask Mark about his, his three point shot. And I knew it's exactly what I wanted to ask him, too. And he seems confident. He said that mm. basically if, if he gets the ball in, in rhythm and catches it in rhythm, it's going up. So that that could really help stretch the floor, open things up. 
Um, and, and sometimes we see it in the NBA when you have a center that just kind of clogs up the lane, it kind of takes away from what your point guard can really do in terms of cutting and getting the, into the basket. But if, if Mark's out on the three and he can hit those consistently, I mean, all of a sudden, LaMelo's just got an extra eight points a game. Like, it, it's going to open up so much more for not only Melo, but all the other guys on the roster. Yeah, no, absolutely. If Mark Williams can stretch the floor, I'm, I'm interested to see if, you know, he said, if I catch him rhythm, I'm putting it up. Um, now, we've heard this before from Hornet Centers. We heard it from Cody Zeller. Uh, it happened in preseason. It then never really materialized in the NBA season. Um, you know, we heard it a little bit from Al Jefferson in his last season in Charlotte. Never really materialized. Uh, you know, both under Steve Clifford. Um, I think that'll be an interesting dynamic to see. And if Steve Clifford really is letting him shoot, then rest assured that he is very confident because Steve Clifford is probably one of the stricter players in terms of limiting players, what they're going to do. So I think, I think it's a great point. Um, yeah. Skylar, I knew you have to jump off to do another podcast. Uh, yes, thank sir. you for, for giving us some of your time. I know. Well done today. Media day. I'm sure Leaky Black will remember that you were there for him at the end. You can get all the exclusives <laughs> like this year now. Right. You and Leaky were just there at the end by yourselves. Exactly. Yeah. Thanks for got. Thank you guys for having me on. Um, if you're on Twitter or X, whatever we want to call it, Callahan underscore, I'll be at Hornets training camp throughout the week. So I'll try to get some, uh, some quotes some videos of guys shooting around and, and you can check all that stuff out there. So thanks guys. And uh, I'll see you soon. See you soon. Thanks, Tyler. Have a good one, man. Later, y'all. Okay. Me and you. Uh, I've not designed a two-person uh, uh, overlay for this part of the podcast. So we're just going to recycle an old used one, okay? We're yeah, just I was going to say it looks right, that. but then I, now I realize that it's yes, this is, from a couple this weeks is an old ago. Used one. <laughs> for the podcast listeners, you're thinking, what's going on? We don't even mind. Let's get on with our talking. So we're going to do that. Um, I don't actually know how we've got this far without mentioning this next one chase brandon miller i'm i'm anointing brandon miller the the gold medal the winner of media day um i think wow. every single coach well there's only one coach every single player who came through head coach steve clifford everybody was raving about brandon miller not just one thing talking about his unselfishness his high basketball iq his size his ability to play off the ball without the ball um, how he's a quick learner, uh, you know, all these things that these are all the things that normally rookies have to adapt to. You know, how do you play when you don't have the ball in the hands? How do you adapt to defense, new defensive schemes? Um, you know, how do you get up to pace? All those things that normally players and coaches kind of like protect rookies by saying, well, it takes some time. You know, it's, it's, there's a lot of change from college to pro. You can tell that he's raising eyebrows um, just with the way I, I don't remember a rookie being talked about in this way since Lamella Ball. And I remember James Brager said, you know, you're going to see, he's going to, he's going to raise some eyebrows. Like he said that quote and you went, Oh, hold on. Like he's, he's egging it on rather than like trying to protect the guy. And that's when, you know, they've got supreme confidence. So yeah, I'm saying uh, Brandon Miller is the winner of media day. There was just so many quotes from so many vets um, who were just clearly highly impressed with Brandon Miller. Well, Brandon Miller, if you're listening, your trophy is in the mail for yeah. winning media day. It will be here very soon. But I mean, like, I just think like, and everybody that listens to this knows, well, you, you heard my reaction when we live streamed the draft and the number two pick came on the board. It was not overwhelmingly positive, but at no, this point, man, if I, I'm rooting for that guy to completely flip the script, because it's not even just like Hornets fans. It's like the entire no. NBA universe. The Hornets like, are a joke. They're a lucky stock. Yeah, it's like, the that whole was NBA. Yeah, it's like, this guy is not going to be better. Whoa. This guy is not going to be better than Scoot Henderson, who went three. There's This was wrong. The set, signed, sealed, delivered on June 22nd, 2023. It's already over. Scoot well, Henderson just tried October, to call you to disagree right there. <laughs> yeah, see, he was, he's already on my phone. I, I, he's already. I got him right here. And I'm ignoring it for the sake of the podcast. So, <laughs> Listeners, this is what it takes to make it to the big leagues. But yeah, if he can just come in, and we're, we're in October, and everybody around him is like, no, like this guy is, this guy is the real deal. Like this is yeah. everything that 
you know, all everything that the Hornets were saying about him probably in their draft room when they picked him, that's real. What what the NBA world and fans and media out there are saying, like, trust us, you will see otherwise very soon. I mean, it, it, I'm rooting very strongly for him to do that because it always it's unfortunate when players get like trapped in these narratives, like as rookies, like Mark Williams immediately just got compared to Jalen Duran his whole rookie year it was not his fault. Just something that fans and media disagreed with. And at the end of the year, it turns out at worst, they're equal. And maybe in some people's eyes, Mark is better. We just have to wait for Brandon Miller to do the same. And I, I think it's going to end up pretty positively in his and the Hornets' favor. Some of the notes on Brandon Miller. Um, he revealed that he is up to 210 pounds, which is his target weight for the offseason. Uh, he was listed at 200 last year at Alabama, and apparently he lost 10 to 15 pounds with mono after the season. So you have to imagine he was maybe sub 200 in that 190 range. So that means that since March, he is probably put on somewhere in the region of 15 to 20 pounds. Um, which is good to see because I think it, you know, summer league, he did look skinny. Uh, he's never going to be probably a, a massive strong guy. Uh, he doesn't have a Kawhi build, but he does need to put on strength. So I think that was a positive sign to see. Um, there was one other point I was going to make on Brandon Miller, um, but I can't remember it. But he, he seemed pretty relaxed about everything. Um, oh, this was it. Steve, Steve Clifford. Yeah. He, he was like, he always dismissed the question. He was like, he's going to be on the floor right away. <laughs> he was not even like, it's like, you can't, when you've seen, the way he said it sounded like, when you've seen what I've seen, you would be bonkers not to play Brandon Miller from the start from day one. That's how he said it, like the tone that he sent, um, which again, there's people going like, is Brandon Miller going to start? You know, is he going to be playing? And I was thinking, well, maybe if he comes off the bench behind Gordon Hayward, who we know has done well, Terry Zier. Like maybe he's going to be playing 14, 15 minutes tonight. After today, I think he's going to be up in that 20 to 25 minute range from early in the season, just from the way that everyone is speaking about him. I know there's only so many minutes to go around. Um, and maybe on those particular like second nights of back-to-backs, maybe they rest Hayward and they give Brandon Miller a start. Um, but I, I'm more optimistic about his role and his playing time after today because you know, if there was any doubt, Steve Clifford would be the first one to try and manage expectations. Speaking of Steve Clifford, one of my other favorite quotes from Media Day today is something Sam Purley tweeted out, Hornets.com writer. Shout out to Sam for his coverage of Media Day as well. He's been there for many years now, always does a great job. Friend of the podcast. Wonderful friend of the podcast, recurring guest of, of the podcast. Yep. But he mentioned that... It, oh, God, I completely just lost my train of thought. Oh, boy. I got to get it pulled up now. I got to – I'm scrambling. My brain is just, like, short-circuiting right now. Well, I'm, I'm going to come in with a take while, uh, okay. while you are, are, are looking for that. Because um, wow. I, I had another one queued up, ready to go. Uh, James Booknight, maybe one of the forgotten men of this upcoming season. Um, but this was one I was wanting to speak to Skylar about, actually, before we went. His interview was, I felt very different from any of the James Booknight interviews I've watched. He appeared very thoughtful, reflective. Uh, maybe I say like a little bit more mature. Um, you never know to like, is it going to translate on the court? Who knows? But in the past, I always remember like after he was drafted, he was talking about rookie of the year and, you know, it's going to be highlight television. And the guy who I saw speaking today you know, he talks a little bit about how he's worked in all the areas of his game, including his his mental side as well, which, again, I think it's not a secret now that Buck has struggled with some uh, mental mental health or, you know, feeling low at times, and he's maybe not dealt with that the best way. And what I saw going into year, was it going to be three? Three now for James Buck Knight. It's just what I felt was maybe someone who has a better understanding of their situation and where they are. Um, so I'm interested to see what this book night season looks like. You know, the summer league was not promising. Let's be honest. We watched it. We talked about it. But today he, at least off the court, appeared to have maybe speak and appear and act a little bit more like an NBA player needs to. Yeah, I mean, this is... 
obviously a make or break season for him. Last year yeah. of his rookie contract. At it might be point, a make or break month because it's yeah, really. gets picked up at the end of this month for next season as well. Like if he is not good in training camp, if he is outplayed by Nick Smith Jr., Bryce McGowan's, Cody Martin, you know, all the other guys, then they may not pick up his option next year. So it might not be a make or break year. It might be a make or break month. Yeah, and that's tough to do in training camp. Like there, like you just said, there are three guys ahead, that could be ahead of him very conceivably at the end of this month. I mean, at, right now, they all three of them might be, might be ahead of him. So it's not an easy thing to do. And if you're going to be able to accomplish something like that, you definitely need to be in your best physical and mental shape. You got to be sharp to even come close to being able to put in the work and attention to detail that it takes to overcome that type of odds which is unfortunate that he's in that situation. But obviously, you just got to play the hand that you're dealt at this point. I mean, he does seem like he's in a good place. So that that is a, an improvement where he's been at times when he's mentioned it himself, like at multiple times that when his on-court play hasn't gone well, it's not been something that he's handled well as a, as a person, which I'm, I would imagine that everyone listening to this or in the world can relate to that at some point. But it's just on a grand stage and in an opportunity like the NBA – uh, these chances go fade very quickly. So we will definitely see, like you said, probably over the next month, like what James Booknight's future is in Charlotte. Yeah. Okay. Let's, let's circle back to your Steve Clifford point. Yes. And to, to, I remembered it pretty much immediately after you started talking, which makes as perfect sense. Yep. That as soon as my brain realized that I was not my turn to talk anymore, it was like, okay, now I got it. But I wanted to talk about how Steve Clifford mentioned the progress that they made last year and like the type of team that they were in terms of pace of play. He said that he made, we made good progress progress last year when we had certain guys on the floor, our team is made to run and we ran last year. They're seventh in pace, but they were 27th in points per possession in transition play. So I think what he's kind of alluding to right there is we played fast. We just weren't in a position to, you know, reap the benefits of it. Our team wasn't healthy enough for the entire year to have a large enough sample where we could be a good team in transition. We were just a frequent transition team. This year, yeah. we're going to try and piece that together and you know, have the, pro the results look a lot more similar to what the process looks like here. And I think like Brandon Miller is going to be a huge part of that with his ability to play fast and space the floor, play multiple positions and shoot the ball. LaMelo, obviously, the biggest part of that. But and I, this is something Skyler mentioned too with Mark Williams' three-point shooting. I think like if he does add that to his game, that's another thing that's really going to help them be able to play fast because then you don't have one guy on the court at all times that teams know they don't need to respect as like a trailing shooter in fast break situations. Like what is one of the easiest and like most efficient ways that the Timberwolves get a three for Carl Towns running in fast break and having whoever has the ball just pitch it back to him as he steps perfectly in rhythm to like an above the break three, which is a lot easier for a guy that's really tall and has long arms and doesn't need to push on his shots very much like Mark will. I think that's going to be something that is like, if that's a real development, that is like, it's basically like if like Robert Williams learned how to shoot or like Rudy Gobert, yeah, like, not is. to the same level of impact yet, but like it's this, that type of skill set adding that, three-point shot it's just a very very rare things for thing for a player that's as good at the things he's good at defensively to also be able to stretch the floor I, and you've nailed it there it's very rare and that's why i want to pump the brakes a little bit I, i'm you know it's good that mark said he's gonna let it fly if he's in rhythm but how many players go from not shooting threes in college at all who are interior rim blockers shot blockers to like average nba shooters from three like brooke lopez that's one I don't know if you can name many others. Maybe Al Horford, right? Could maybe be another guy. But these are much older guys who've had like 10 plus years to work on their craft in the NBA and they've developed it over time. Um, I, I want to pump, pump the brakes a little bit because I think if like if Mark Williams shot, if Mark Williams like took three threes a game and shot 29% this year, I think that would be like good progress. So I don't want people thinking here like, oh, if it can just be 35% on medium volume, it's like that's just I don't think going to happen. Um, oh, yeah, but, that that yeah. that would be a I mean, but I, I even I'm thinking like just basically the volume that Cody Zeller took them at when he was in Charlotte, which was like one and a half, I think, per game was what he peaked at. 
but just not shooting them at like 24%, maybe up that to like even 30%, just to make it so teams have, when you catch the ball beyond the arc, they can't just look at you and let you shoot. Like someone has to close out. I think they will for at least the first half of the season. (laughs) No one's going to be closing out. They're going to be like, are we worried about another ball? We're going to let the seven foot two guy over there shoot a three who's like never proven it. So he's going to get wide open looks for like until he's shot like a month or 40%, they're going to leave him wide open. So I don't think, uh, yeah, defense, opposing defense isn't going to be the challenge here. I don't think at least for the first bit. I'm just interesting, a quick fact check on your, uh, not your Steve Clifford's figures about transition, because when he said that, I was like, huh, those some figures. I think you read them out. Uh, If you could just read them again. I think he said in frequency, they they were, were, they were seventh in pace and 27th in points per possession in transition. But now that I, now that I say that and actually think about it, instead of reading the, just reading it, I think they were ninth in pace last year. Well, so I'm looking on cleaning the glass here on frequency of transition. So this isn't necessarily pace, but it's frequency transition. They were sixth. But then when it comes to efficiency, I had them down. They were 24th, right? So maybe slightly better. So this is just, again, interesting here. The reason I bring this up, when you talk about stats of what a team isn't, isn't, like teams have slightly different ways of defining things, different to figures that are publicly available, like cleaning the glass filters out, garbage time stats uh, from blowouts, um, and also like just maybe what they exactly monitor and track are a little bit different. But I just thought that was oh, yeah. interesting. Like they were maybe not quite as uh, in, in transition quite as much as these stats suggest, but maybe a little bit better on cleaning the glass. Which I just thought it was interesting to kind of compare the public stats to what Steve could have quoted. And they're, they're similar, but but not exactly the same. Yeah, I mean, they might keep their own stats, honestly. The Hornets, like, yeah, they probably will. They, very, they might track it themselves in a completely different way. That, that I mean, he could, I mean, he could all very easily just, you know, mixing up the number seven with six or eight or not is very easy thing to do also. But it is it is definitely interesting. That That would be, like, if we were in the room with him immediately and we had just gotten that answer, that would be a very interesting follow-up is to be like, is that, like, per the NBA stats or do you guys track that or whatever it may be? Because that um, that could lead to a whole web of different answers that you questions that you could ask him too. So, But I, I do think that he is just generally – much more equipped to play the style that he tried to play last year, but actually see much better progress or results from it. And that was something people hated on him too. Before when he took the job, it was like, Oh my God, they have Lamelo, and he's going to make him play like so slow and not be himself and not let him like free, free wheel and be this like creative playmaker that he is. He wasn't very healthy last year, but in the minutes that he was, that was not the case at all. He was very much letting him run make the same type of like ridiculous passes that only he can make that he was making when Borrego was the coach too. And now the team was just a much more sound structured defense and offense. So I'm very excited to see that this year with a fully healthy lineup for most of the season. Absolutely. Okay. We're coming to the end here. Um, Any last things, I guess, from today that you wanted to touch on anything from a, Mr. Beast new sponsorships. I don't know if you saw Kelly Oubre's comments um, or, or anything else from the team, really. So the Mr. Beast thing, as someone who I know who Mr. Beast was and that he was like a YouTuber and like really famous and gets like millions of views on his videos and stuff. But that jersey patch being my introduction to the fact that he has like a chocolate bar, like candy bar line was just a it was just crazy learning all of this at once and then also realizing that it's the Hornets jersey patch but I cannot think of like from a sports business perspective of a smarter jersey patch thing like they basically just drew in the amount of subscribers that Mr. Beast has which I'm sure is like millions upon millions of people and like gave them a route to being a Hornets fan which obviously you have to like like basketball and all that stuff it takes a lot to fully get into it but like how many other teams have that type of market or demographic to market to and that many people to pull from that may have not been interested in their team before, but they certainly might now. And we all, we always talk about this, the cool merchandise and like the logos and the color schemes for the Hornets, that doesn't hurt either. So they're really like doing a very good job with like the off the court branding stuff and just be like raising the presence of themselves, like not just in the city, but just general as like a national 
brand for a professional North American sports team. I think it's very cool to see them do these kinds of things. And also the logo looks really cool and is like the same color as the teal almost. So good, good move all around, yeah. I think. Yeah, it's different, right? And I think that's probably something the new ownership group wanted to bring in, something, you know, fresh, up and coming. Um, you can imagine it's something that they they were wanting to look at. It, it might have been in the works maybe before new ownership group. Maybe we're giving too much credit, but um, it's there's more you can do with it, right? There's loads of stuff you can do with it off the back of it. Who knows if that's in the plans or if it's going to be a pretty transactional relationship. It just depends uh, what the contract is for the sponsorship. But uh, but interesting addition. Um, yeah, I'm. I I need to try some of these chocolate bars though. I'm I'm pretty jealous Clearly. now. I, can you get them in stores like in in America? Like, have you seen these around at all? I've I've never seen them over here. Obviously, I'm googling it right now. But I have literally never seen these in my life. So it looks like you can buy them at like Target and Walmart. Um, oh, Shaw's. Okay, yeah. So you can get that's a local grocery store up here. So yeah, you, it looks right. like you can just go to the grocery store. This is my challenge like, for you. Much, no before, the, you are. before the next podcast, I want you to buy some, and I want you to try them live on the podcast. And I want I, to get I will absolutely do that. That is yeah. that is our for one hour next Monday. We will try this chocolate. Just cycling through flavors. Cycling yeah. <laughs> through all the the, the thirty five different flavors of of candy bar. I love it. I, I, that would, I mean, hey, that works. Per I love chocolate. That sounds like a plan to me. <laughs> you, you don't have to twist my arm for that one at all. But it's also, yeah. I, he's from North Carolina, Mr. Beast, which is cool. I did not know that. Yeah, I he's another didn't know local very guy. much about him at all. But it's cool that it's like a local guy that's that's doing this as well. So, yeah, very, very cool. And I saw that uh, on Twitter that you were worried when yesterday Hornets social media to tease this um, yeah. tweeted a picture of a chocolate bar with a Hornets logo on it. I saw you were worried that they had were going to have some brown jerseys, and I I I do share that worry with you a little bit. Yeah, but I, mean, I thought about it. The brown and teal and purple and white. I think there there could be something there if they wanted to make a Mr. Beast jersey instead of just the jersey patch. Oh no! Come on, I I, I said my tweet was a little bit tongue in cheek, um, uh, and also <laughs> it curious wasn't in because to I was the curious. Brown Oregon Blazers jersey. Well, no, I, I, it was a genuine question. I didn't, I couldn't think of any brown NBA jerseys in history that I knew of, right? So it was a little bit tongue in cheek because I didn't really think it was about. I didn't think they were going to go to brown jerseys. It's just not something an NBA team I didn't think would do, especially for a sponsorship reason. And why, why would they make it chocolate? But so it was a little tongue in cheek. But also, I was just curious, like, were there brown jerseys in the NBA? And there were some that people posted. So yeah, it was interesting. Yeah, that see, that's what I thought. I thought you were like just an extreme disapproval of the brown Portland Trailblazers jerseys that's just said Oregon across the front from like I think two or three years ago. Nope. That's what I thought it was in I reference to. I have no recollection. No, okay. I well, have no recollection I mean, whatsoever. I, I only remembered it because I would see it when Damian Lillard was playing on League Pass late at night, which will not be happening anymore for the Portland Trailblazers. So if they ever have a brown jersey again, I probably won't see it play see it either. Yeah. My a final thought, and, and we'll say here, we've only touched on a few things from Media Day. If you want to deep dive into this more, we have all the player and coach videos posted on allhornets.com. We have a, a live article which had quotes as and when they happened on the All Hornets website. Um, if you want to hear about the, some of the comments that Kelly Uber made regarding Charlotte, um, you can uh, go find those uh, on the website as well. Um, my final thought is, with all the movement, the Drew Holiday, Damian Lillard trades that have all happened, I want to say that I think the way the trades broke in the end, I think it broken pretty well for Charlotte. Like there was a real situation where Damian Lillard was going to be in Miami or Drew Holiday was going to be in Miami. And now Miami has lost Struess and Vincent. Uh, they've, you know, a couple of their players got a little bit older, Kyle Lowry, Jimmy Butler, you know, not on the not exactly young guys. And I just think it's interesting that it could have got a lot more difficult, the division, you know, who you see more regularly, and it's not happened. And what happened is teams like Boston and Milwaukee, who are already going to be really good, have got even better. So I think it's a really bad thing for the likes of Philly, maybe Cleveland. Um, but then for those teams who are maybe battling for that lower edge of the playoffs, uh, I think it's a, it's, it's a better thing because it's not spread the talent. It's kind of consolidated it. So... That was just a, a passing thought on uh, the final part of uh, of the podcast. 
That was exactly my thinking too. And I think down the road, like it kind of just puts the Hornets in more in a better position to make moves similar to that because a those like Boston, Milwaukee, like these teams that are making these moves right now are kind of locked out of them for the next couple of years. Like the, the bucks aren't making a Damian Lillard trade for, you know, superstar X next summer. That would be pretty inconceivable to do after all they've given up over the last couple of years for drew holiday and Dame. Now Boston's obviously not doing it either. Cause their core is locked in through this season and next season. And the other teams are kind of just in the mode of, you know, shifting downwards, like like Miami, Philly, Toronto, like they might be tearing it down sooner than they're building it back up. And it does make it harder to break through at that like very top level of the conference and be a team that could like make the finals or something. But like in three years or even two years, it's not inconceivable that if everything breaks right for like the Hornets or other young teams, like even like the Magic or the Pistons, that they could become, you know, go from the 10, 11, 12 playing range to like three, four, five very yeah. quickly because all it's going to take is a couple of moves from these veteran teams that are in the play in range. Now, Chicago, you could throw in that range as well. And they'll become the Hornets, Pistons and magic that are tanking, trying to get high lottery picks. And these teams will, even if they, if it's through no re, like fault of their own and they're not even trying to get that much better that quickly, they're just naturally going to rise up. Then it really, everything broke for the Hornets this summer, I think, apart from acquiring, players that would make them better themselves. Like it definitely didn't hurt them where these guys landed up. Yeah. All right, Chase, it's been a long day. It's been a long day for you in Boston. It's been a long day for me transcribing video and recording everything. Uh, thank you for everybody who, who interacted on social media today. Thank you for those who read allhornets.com. Hopefully this has given you a nice taste into what's happening in media day. And look, training camp starts tomorrow. Steve Clifford said they're bringing in refs to scrimmaging from minute one. Um, so there's going to be some live action play tomorrow. I think the Hornets do it a little bit differently from what Clifford said. They don't do drills. They like to scrimmage. They like to hit people from day one. Um, so yeah, it's going to be interesting to see Skylar. Make sure you're following Skylar on Twitter as well. It's at Callahan. Um, he's going to be there at training camp all this week, giving you all the information that you want. So make sure you're following Skylar. Appreciate him jumping on here. Chase, appreciate you jumping on as well after a busy day for you. And we're due to speak next week when we'll have probably some more insight into how things are going at training camp. So we will speak uh, next Monday and we'll get a podcast in next Tuesday. A um, couple of things before we finish. We do have a new podcast schedule for this upcoming year. So it's going to be me and Chase going to be publishing Tuesday. We're going to have Hornets and Heartbreak publishing Thursday. And we're going to have Buzzer Boys, uh, Buzzer Beaters even, which is Eric and Atticus is going to be publishing on Saturday as well. Um, so make sure you check out allhornets.com. Make sure you check out All Hornets Twitter where you can find our schedule on there. And we're going to be bringing you scheduled podcasts every, basically pretty much every other day of the week. So you're going to be kept up to date all year. But thanks everyone for tuning in. Thanks for listening. And we will speak to you next week. Thanks everybody. Season is here. Let's do it.